Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Hello from the Steffies. Hey, Silverdale family. Welcome to the Talvin Home. Welcome to our house. Hi. Hi, Silverdale. Welcome to our home. Hi. Hi. Just like you, we've been spending a lot of time here at home with each other. Try not to drive each other crazy. You know, that's the way it is no matter what's going on. You know, that's true no matter what's going on. Welcome to our home. The love we have for our family and each other should last through this season and beyond. It's true. That's the way God designed it. It's just the way God designed it. I'm so thankful for all of you worshiping with us online. I'm Tony Wallace. I'm one of the pastors here at Silverdale. And today I get the privilege of sharing with you God's word. So go ahead and take your Bibles and open up in the Old Testament to Psalm 127. You can also take out these Bible study outlines that we provide for you online. That way you can follow along and take notes. This is actually our final message in this series that we're in, Rain or Shine, Love for Every Season. Now next week, we're beginning a brand new series Series through the book of Daniel, and it's going to be incredible. I mean, we're going to be learning from the book of Daniel how you can stand whenever the world around us is falling apart, and you do not want to miss next week's message in Daniel. But today, I want to conclude this series, and I want us to talk about three goals of parenting. I mean, what's the real purpose of parenting? After the tornado came through several weeks back, it brought about a lot of construction in my neighborhood. I mean, contractors are out there with their blueprints, and they start framing the house based on the blueprints. And if you're familiar with construction, you know that everything else flows from the framing. The windows, the doors, the roofing, the siding, all the exterior of the house flows from the framing. It is a critical stage in construction of a home. And if you don't get the blueprints right and the framing right, nothing else will work. Well, it's the same way with parenting. You had better follow God's blueprints if you're going to get the framing of your child right. So let's look at this passage together. It's Psalm 127. Let's begin in verse 1. The Bible says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Verse 3, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, as I share today's message, I know I'm talking to a number of different parents who are at different stages in their parenting. We have brand new parents with children under two years old. Welcome to our world. (laughs) We have parents with preschoolers and others in elementary school. Those are very important formative years. We have parents of teenagers. Hang on, it's going to be okay. I know that we have step parents. Thank you for stepping in. I know we have foster parents. Thank you for fostering that kind of love. We have single parents. God bless you. Parenting is the most difficult job in the world, and single parenting is twice as hard. Now, some of you are in the empty nester stage. Ah, 
hallelujah, right? <laughs> and there's some of you that you're in the boomerang parent stage. What does that mean? You thought your kids were gone, but now they're back. <laughs> of course, there are also grandparents, which I now am, and it is as great as everybody said it would be. And then you have aunts and uncles as well. I mean, basically, every one of us are in a position as parents or grandparents to encourage children, to encourage parenting the right way. So today, let's look at Psalm 127, and from that passage, I want you to discover three critical truths about parenting. I want you to jot it down. The very first thing is this. Number one, you need to develop your child emotionally. We need to develop our children emotionally. Now, I know that parents, we get all worried about, you know, developing our kids physically. Okay, based on the doctor's charts, our kids ought to be walking by now, or they ought to be talking by now, or they ought to weigh this much. And we work really hard to develop our child physically. We feed them. We clothe them. But there's something more important and more critical than your child's physical development, and that is your child's emotional development. Your child is influenced most by those they believe love them the most. You need to be the one that loves them the most. I heard a story about this doctor who he was taking his four-year-old preschool daughter to preschool. And the doctor had his stethoscope there in the car seat and his little girl picked it up and began playing with it. And the doctor thought to himself, I can't believe my daughter wants to follow in my footsteps. About that time, the child spoke into the stethoscope. She said, Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? (laughs) Parents, who or what is influencing your child the most? Now, in order to develop your child emotionally, you as a parent must remember this basic truth. Jot it on your outline. A child is a gift who needs to be loved. Jot that down. Your child is a gift who needs to be loved. Notice how this is written. Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, Children are a gift of the Lord. In your outline, circle the word gift there. Now, the reason I start here is because if you do not see your child as a gift, you'll start to see them as a burden. And I get it. I mean, it's a huge weight of responsibility to raise a child. I mean, this reminds me of a story of this lady who had three very active boys. And they were always busy, you know, breaking things and getting into trouble. She said one day they came barreling into the living room because her husband had sent them in there to ask, Mom, what do you want for your birthday? Well, she smiled at them and said, All I want for my birthday is three well-behaved, nice, quiet young boys. The youngest said, Awesome, that'll mean we get three more boys. We'll have six in the house. (laughs) Yes, parenting is hard. And you know what? Even at its worst, though, your child is a gift from the Lord. And when things get really hard, you need to remember, you were just as difficult when you were young. I mean, my mom would often say to my older brother, I hope you get a child just like you so you'll know what it feels like. (laughs) Well, he did. (laughs) We all were troublesome kids at some time or another. I mean, I'm sure that you drove your parents crazy just like your kids drive you crazy. But you need to understand that you were God's gift to your parents And your kids are God's gift to you. Don't miss the opportunity that God has given you to develop them emotionally. As a parent, make up your mind that you will be the primary influencer in your child's life. Not the state, not some school, not not the internet or their friends. Parents, you need to be the primary influencer. 
And I don't just mean moms. Dads, you need to take an active role as well. Did you know that fathers in this country spend less time with their children than any other nation in the world? It's true. Research shows us that in Russia, fathers spend as much as two hours a day with their children. In this country, the average is seven minutes a day. (laughs) It's been said that 80% of life is just showing up. Parents, be there. Show up. One of the best things that you can do as a dad or mom is to turn off the television. Get off the computer. Spend time with your kids. Have a game night. Get into a regular bedtime routine where you stop whatever you're doing and just spend time with your kids. Read books to them. Talk to them. Talk about their day. Pray with them. So parenting starts with love, right? Your child is a gift from God. Develop them emotionally with your love. But the next thing we learn is that you've got to discipline your child. So jot that on your outline. Number two, discipline your child. Your child needs to be disciplined. Now, children are always asking two questions of their parents. The first question is, do you love me? And the answer is yes, unquestionably, without a doubt, I love you. The second question is, can I do whatever I want to? And you as a parent must answer that question, no, you cannot. You can't. Children are a gift from the Lord, but the Bible says they are arrows and that they need to be shaped. Look at how this is written in Psalm 127, verse 4. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. The Bible describes children as arrows. I picked up this arrow right here from Walmart. And if you want an arrow, all you got to do is go to the store and buy one, right? But 3,000 years ago, when this verse was written, a warrior had to cut it and then shape it and make sure that it really looked like an arrow. And you had to make sure that the feathers were straight so it would fly straight. And if the tip ever got dull, you know what you had to do? You had to sharpen it. Well, the same is true of your children. So jot down this principle on your outline. Jot this down. A child is an arrow that must be shaped. Your child must be shaped. When a child is born, they are not straight. You see, we are all born with a sin nature. That means we're all born with a bent towards sin and foolishness. I mean, it's just like a tree. When a tree is young and tender, you can bend and shape its branches. And that is the same way with children. In the early developmental years, it is critical to be a strong disciplinarian. You must shape your child through discipline. There's a simple truth or axiom. If you don't mind that your children don't mind, they won't mind. (laughs) All God asks for parents is that they discipline their children the same way he disciplines us. Look at how this is written in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 11. The Bible says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. God loves us and he disciplines us. We should love our children in exactly the same way. Child psychologist, Dr. James Dobson, puts it like this. He says, the parent must convince himself that discipline is not something he does to the child. It is something he does for the child. His attitude toward his disobedient child is this. I love you too much to let you behave that way. And as a parent, you need to be a strong disciplinarian. 
especially when your child is young during the preschool years. Uh, Let me explain it like this. Have you ever wondered why young children can learn to speak several different languages whenever they're very young? And yet, whenever a person gets older, they have a harder and harder time learning a language. See, children, they can learn to speak perfect Russian or Chinese or Spanish without a trace or accent. Researchers now know why this is true. The larynx of a young child assumes the shape necessary to make the sounds they are making. But as we get older, the larynx hardens. So new sounds are harder and harder to make later in life. In other words, there's a very brief window of opportunity when anything is possible linguistically. Well, a child's attitude toward parental authority is just like that. A child will pass through a brief window of opportunity during the preschool years. And if you don't gain your child's respect during the preschool years, you will not have them during the teen years. Now, I'm going to enter into a very controversial territory when it comes to child rearing. I'm going to talk about spanking. Not physical abuse, but biblical spanking. There's an old saying, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. And even though that statement is not in the Bible, there's some truth to it. In fact, the Bible puts it even stronger. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 24. It says, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Why is it so critical to discipline your child whenever he's very young? Because you can't rationalize with a (laughs) two-year-old. Cause and effect, pleasure and pain are a young child's greatest teacher. Look at what the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Now, I want to be clear (laughs) that I am absolutely not talking about physical abuse. There is no place for abuse in parenting or hitting your child in anger. That is wrong. But because children first learn from cause and effect and pleasure and pain, a little slap on the rear end can be a great teacher for a young child. Dr. Diana Bremen of the Institute for Human Development at University of California, Berkeley, conducted a 10-year study of families with children ages 3 to 9. Dr. Bremen found that there are four types of parents. You have the authoritarian parent. That's bad. You got the neglectful parent, that's bad. Permissive parent, that's bad. But then you have the respected parent, that's good. These parents set boundaries and even use spanking, but it was always done in love. These parents had the most favorable outcome for their children. Children raised by that type of parent saw that their kids had higher academic performance, they were, had greater self-esteem, better social skills, less mental illness, and lower delinquency. I want you to understand and see this through a chart on your outline. In fact, I want you to understand there's a huge difference between punishment and discipline. The goal of discipline is for your child to have self-discipline. In fact, look at this chart. If your goal is punishment, then you know what? The purpose is to inflict a penalty. The focus is some past offense. And the motivation is it's done in anger. And the result will always be in the child to have fear, guilt, or anger toward the parent. But if your goal is discipline, then what happens? It promotes growth. And the focus is on future development. And the motivation is done in love. And it promotes security and growth within your child. 
Now, I've asked um, two of my boys to join me in this topic of discipline. So I want you to check out this discussion. Since we're talking about child discipline today, I thought it'd be really a good idea to bring in a couple of my children to talk about how they were disciplined. I have with me my oldest son, Luke, who is um, 31, and my youngest son, John, who's 28. Um, they're both married, and they actually help lead a small group in our church. So do you guys remember being disciplined? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and so um, I know um, you were spanked, and so John, okay, tell me, was that an effective means of discipline for you, um, and why, or why not? Yes, I think spanking was a very effective means. Um, at that age, especially whenever we were younger, I didn't have the attention span to really understand uh, the consequences of my actions for a long period of time. So spanking was a quick, you did this wrong, this is why you're getting punished, and here's the consequence. And so timeouts were ineffective, because once I came out of timeout, I'd immediately go back to doing whatever it was that I was doing before and getting back in trouble. So um, spanking was a very quick, this is why. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. Yeah. Um, Luke, can you describe, because I know you believe you were spanked more than John, but can you sort of describe the procedure of what happened whenever you were disciplined? So when I would do something wrong, I would be told, hey, you're going to get spanked. You need to go to your room and think about what you've done. And so uh, I'd be sent to my room for about 15 minutes. Um, and then my either dad or mom would come in. They'd say, this is what you've done. Uh, this is the punishment for that. And also you would always say, uh, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. <laughs> and it really did. I never believed that. <laughs> I never believed that as a child. But you would come and say, hey, this is what's going on. You get a spanking. And then you would always give us an embrace afterwards and tell you, uh, I love you. That would never change the bedtime routine. Just because we were being uh, disciplined during the day, the bedtime routine of the stories and getting prayed for and getting loved on and embraced, that, that would never change. And so I don't, I don't think that it ever caused uh, any long-term harm in our relationship. John, what are some other forms of discipline that you experience other than spanking? Yeah, absolutely. So as we got older, it would be taking away privileges. So whenever we turned 16, it would be taking away the car and things of that nature. Um, for me, I'd struggle with grades. And so um, because I'd be more focused on playing video games. So it'd be taking away video games for a certain amount of time or until my grades would come up. Um, and, and John, do you remember the Netflix password? Yeah, so whenever I was in college, I was really struggling at one point uh, to get my grades up. And so I asked them to change the password. And uh, my sister changed the password to uh, go do homework, John. And it's still a nice, friendly reminder of uh, punishments <laughs> even now. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Absolutely. So parents, first love your kids, but then you've got to discipline them as well. Develop your child emotionally, but next you need to discipline. Why? Because they are an arrow that needs to be shaped. Now, I want you to jot down this final point. Number three is this. You need to direct your child spiritually. Direct your child spiritually. It's not just enough for you to parent your children physically or even emotionally. We must also parent our children spiritually. I mean, you could be a good parent, even a great parent, but you must become a godly parent. Why? Because as parents, you are the primary spiritual teacher of your children. 
It's not me as their pastor. It's not their small group leader. It's not their, you know, student pastor. You are the primary spiritual leader. You see, one or two hours a week at church is not going to erase the 28 hours they spend in front of the television or some other device. Parents, you have the greatest influence in your child's life. Look at how this is written in Psalm 127, verse 4. The psalmist writes, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Do you see how parrots are described? We are warriors and we are at war. You see, there is a spiritual battle going on. There are dark forces that are out there that want to destroy you and want to destroy your kids. If you are a parent, then you are a warrior. And yet a lot of parents, you know, take a lackadaisical attitude. When it comes to parenting, some parents are, you know, ostrich parents. They just stick their head in the sand and hope that everything's going to work out. And then there are the delegating parents. They send their kids off to school or to church, hoping that some other people are going to take care of their parental responsibilities. And then you have what's known as the Neiman Marcus parents. They're the ones that are always buying things for their kids all the time, thinking that more stuff is going to help them out. And then there are the warden parents. It's all rules and regulations. It's got to be done my way all the time. And then there are the career advancement parents. All they think about is the career. If I can get my kids in the right school, then their life will be set. And then there are the taxi cab parents. They're the ones that run the kids from one activity to another activity all the time. Now, I've got to admit, at one time or another, I've been every one of those parents, okay? But the Bible says you are a warrior parent. There is a battle for the soul of your children, We have the kingdom of this world versus the kingdom of God. And you are a warrior and your children are arrows. And your job as a parent is to be able to shoot your children out into this world to make an eternal impact in this world. In fact, I want you to jot down this basic truth. Jot this down. An arrow must be pointed in the right direction. An arrow must be pointed in the right direction. For an arrow to make any difference... It must be shot in the right direction so that it hits the right target. Your job as a parent is to make sure that your child is shot in the direction of God, the Lord. You have a target for your child, and that target is eternal life and a relationship with a living God. Let me tell you how precious your children are. You cannot take your wealth to heaven with you. You can't take your house to heaven with you. You can't take your bank account to heaven with you. I mean, you can't take your degrees or your cars or your boats or your stocks or real estate to heaven with you. But you can take your family to heaven with you. That is why we must direct our children spiritually. The tragedy today is that many children are being launched without ever being aimed Most children are given no spiritual direction by the average parent. They're like that little poem. I shot an arrow in the air, and where it landed, I know not where. The English poet Samuel Coleridge once had a discussion with a visitor about the place of religious instruction in parenting. And the visitor said, I don't think parents should indoctrinate their children in religion. Instead, they should give their children the freedom to make up their own choices. 
Now, Coolidge didn't say a word, but instead he invited that man into his backyard to look at his garden. The visitor exclaimed, this is no garden. This is just a patch of overgrown weeds. Coleridge said, well, it used to be a garden, and I decided to give it the freedom to become whatever it chose to without any interference from me. You see, if you do not choose to cultivate your children's relationship with God, I can assure you the devil will see to it that their lives will be filled with weeds from this world. So how do you do this? Well, let me give you some of the things that Susan and I did to help direct our children spiritually. First of all, we had a regular devotion time as a family. We used breakfast time each day to read the Bible and then talk about their day and then pray for them. I mean, it was just 20 minutes each morning. My kids have since said that that daily consistent time of reading the Bible or a devotion was the single biggest factor in their faith today. I've shared before, the turning point for my faith was whenever my dad made a New Year's resolution to have us as a family start reading the Bible together every morning during breakfast. That one decision radically changed my family, and it has been a critical factor in the faith of my children. You're going to eat anyway. Use a mealtime to talk about the Lord. Another thing that Susan and I would do is we'd look for those teachable moments. Use teachable moments. Look at how Moses puts this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. Moses writes, repeat them, talking about the word of God, to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting together in the home and when you're walking together down the road. Make them the last thing you talk about before you go to bed and the first thing you talk about the next morning. You see, spiritual training comes at any time. When you're sitting in the house, sometimes, you know what, something comes on TV and you use it as a teachable moment. Growing up, my dad would get up and turn the TV off when a person would use God's name in vain. I still remember those teachable moments. Moses also says, hey, when you're walking together, or how about this, when you're driving in the car together, turn off the radio, talk about their day, talk about their schooling, talk about the ball game, talk about the friends, talk about life. Or Moses also says, during bedtime. I mean, whenever your kids are younger, you need to read to them, pray for them. Do that whenever they're young, because whenever they get older, it won't happen. Those are all teachable moments when your kids catch your values. I mean, you've probably heard this before, and it's true. Your values are caught more than they're taught. Let me say that again. Your values are caught more than they are taught. And so take these teachable moments to teach your values to your kids. There's another way that you can direct your children spiritually. You pray for them. Pray for them. I mean, there's something powerful that happens when you pray over your kids and your children. You know what? They hear you pray for them. They hear your passion for God, and they hear your love for them when you pray over them. I mean, that's the power of bedtime prayers. That was the power of breakfast morning prayers for my kids. I mean, our kids are all grown now. They're all married. But Susan and I still pray every day for them and their spouses. We no longer have bedtimes or breakfast or car rides with them, but we now get texts from them because they know that we pray for them every day. And we have seen miracle after miracle happen in the lives of my children and their spouses in answer to our prayers. Do you see God's tools for how you can direct your children spiritually? You spiritually direct them by using God's word. 
You, you use the godly example in those teachable moments and you use your prayers. God will use these things to point your children in the right direction. I have with me today a bow because as a parent, the Bible says I am a warrior. And then God, he's given me children. They are arrows and I have to love them and discipline them and shape them. But the Bible says I am to shoot them into this world for the glory of God. So I also have a target. And as a parent, it is my goal and desire that I launch my kids into this world for the kingdom of God. And that's how it's done. <laughs> God wants us to launch our children into this world for the glory of God. That is a responsibility that we all have as parents. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They're about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.